Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor, Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com. We are over here on the Pro Wrestling Channel, but eventually our podcast, all that good stuff, are over at YouTube.com slash FightfulMMABoxing. We're hoping to get that shortened to FightfulMMA, but the YouTube gods aren't allowing it quite yet. Right now, I am joined by one James Lynch. James, how are you? I'm doing well, Sean. Good to be here. Glad to talk. We got a lot to talk about. I mean, it's never a dull moment in the world of MMA, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we got to talk about the fact that I didn't know until now that Vancouver barely gets snow. I had no idea. <laughs> well, no I didn't idea. know Kentucky got snow, fair enough. So, you know, I think we're both in the dark a little bit. We are also joined by Showdown Joe Ferraro. Joe, how's it going? What's up, guys? How you doing? We got well, lots of time. We got lots to talk about. UFC Argentina was this weekend. Because of the NXT show, I only offered short thoughts on on the, the main event. We've got Liddell versus Ortiz 3, which I will be watching in a car as I drive back from WWE Starcade. We have uh, UFC Beijing. James has spoken to a few of the fighters on that show as well. Joe, did you get a chance to, to watch this momentous, huge UFC Argentina show? Massive. Absolutely massive. Had a huge house party. About 40 guests came over. Uh, and then I realized, no, that, was, that wasn't the show here. Well, um, the Nibio draws. Well, apparently he does over there. Well, there were some empty seats there. Yeah. Right. There were some empty seats, to say the least. They did 10,000. Um, they, they did pretty good. Which is good, right? But it's great to have their own local star, right? Every, every, I think it's fantastic when countries have their local stars because now as he progresses uh, up the ranks uh, and he's up there, he's, you know, He's getting much better. Remember, he's supposed to fight Kamara Usman here. So uh, he's already calling out the champ, forming the champ, and he's going to take that title in 2019. He's got a whole country behind them. They're going to get probably more attendance at the next show. So I think it's always fantastic when one country has at least one star and a, and, and a big star because, you know, it's natural. We're all patriotic. We want to follow our own, right? So as I looked through this show, man, there was nothing I was really interested in through most of this show. However, there is one name that I think has gone just completely under the radar for far too long. James, we're going to talk about him. Mikel Prezeris quietly has won eight fights in a row in the UFC, has won 10 of his last 11. He beat Fabinski, who is not chopped liver. He's won three, he won his first three fights in the UFC. Didn't, didn't finish people the way he was outside of the UFC, but still, he ran into his first loss in the company to Prezeris. Meanwhile, Prezeris... He isn't exactly the guy you expect the UFC to push. He is a 37-year-old, five foot six welterweight. <laughs> You're not going to see a lot of a lot of that, uh, but 
he he had a lot of trouble making weight in the past, but the the move to welterweight doesn't seem to have given him any issues. No, this was a good win for him. Uh, you know, the eight fight win streak. I mean, we we can put a couple asterisks there on some of those wins because he did yes. miss weight for a couple of those fights. So uh, you know, not, not can't get too riled up about it. But this was a good win for him. Um, my question, like you mentioned, the height and sort of the reach he has in that division. That's gonna that's gonna you know cause him some problems when he fights you know tall lanky guys like a Carlos Condit or a Neil Magny. Um, but but in the meantime, this is a big win for him. I don't know what they do with him. I think he just you know put him against whoever, maybe put him against you know prospects or whatever. But uh, certainly, this was a bit of a surprise, I think, for the UFC to see him have so much success at 170. Joe uh, Alexander Pantoja defeated Olka Sasaki. Flyweight fight is Sasaki out the door? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, especially because it was uh, such an early finish. I, feel, I thought it'd be you know that fight would potentially even go the distance, but. The fact that it ended so quickly in the first round, uh, two minutes and 18 seconds, yeah, I think he's uh, he's done. With the UFC, at least. Joe, I want your thoughts on the Cynthia Calvillo weigh-in. She came in and beat Botelio pretty quick, or not pretty quick, quickly, just under one round, but looked very good in doing so. Did not look good on the scale. She says it's just because she didn't want to give the crowd a free show. I don't think so. Uh, that was a little bit scary to watch unfold, Joe. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a little disturbing. Obviously, she can't make that weight anymore. She was three pounds over. Uh, she all had to do is you know lose another two and a half pounds, and she wasn't able to do that. Now that could be a variety of issues, but um, you know when it's a pattern, just she's going to have to move up to one twenty five. James, what were your thoughts when when you you saw this? I mean, you this is a woman who you talked to with pretty pretty fair regularity, and maybe no indication that it was this rough. Three pounds that that's a pretty big miss. It is. Um, if you saw the comments she made uh, right after the weigh-ins, or her coach did um, with uh, Jim, I, I forget who it was. They released a statement. I want to say it was Jim Edwards uh, from MMA Knit that uh, spoke to her uh, team after. You know, she worked with Lockhart and Leith heading into the fight. Uh, she was on her period apparently, so I don't know how much that impacted her weight cut in terms of her missing. But uh, yeah, it was concerning. That was one of the worst uh, weight cuts I've seen in a very long time. I mean, she barely made the scale. Her face was grimacing. It was not a good look overall. Um, you know, if, if we're going to chalk it up to, you know, she was on her period, I'm, I'm not an expert on that stuff, but uh, clearly, but, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I think that this is the only time she's had like a bad cut like this. There's a lot of travel involved. You know, I'll kind of give her a mulligan on this one, but in general, uh, you know, very concerning as far as her, uh, you know, trying to make that weight uh, going forward. We'll, we'll see how she looks on the next one. The consistently inconsistent Marlon Vera picked up a win over Guido Canetti. He's the type of guy you'll see. Uh, win a fight, lose a fight, win three, lose two. Like it, that's just where we are. But Ian Heinish was a guy that a lot of people didn't expect to win coming into his fight against uh, Cesar Ferrara, and w- with good reason. He's Ferrara is a pretty established guy in that UFC middleweight division. But you spoke to Heinish ahead of this fight, James. I did. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, like, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize unless you saw the interview here on Fightful that Heinish was supposed to fight on the Denver card. So people saying that this was a short notice thing and that he wouldn't be ready. That's just false. I mean, he was basically getting ready for a fight the week before. You know what? He took advantage of this opportunity. I, I thought if Heinish was going to win this fight, it would be an early knockout, but he ended up just, you know, having a better game plan, outstriking Ferreira. Uh, Heinish looks great. And of course, I, it was great to see the big push that he's had, uh, you know, with his backstory, uh, you know, going and, and, you know, serving some time in jail, uh, you know, being on Rikers Island. I mean, it's pretty crazy if you look at the backstory there, but uh, couldn't be happier to see Ian uh, get in the win column here. These LFA middleweight champions that get promoted to the UFC do quite well in their debuts, and Heinish is just another one to add to that list. All right, James. Johnny Walker, the, the floor is yours, <laughs> clown. 
He definitely made a splash in his debut. I mean, Khalil Roundtree was clearly on the rocks in this fight. And, uh, you know, Roundtree's fault was that he, you know, he played him straight up. And you can't do that against Johnny Walker. I mean, uh, you know, I myself have been on the floor many times from Johnny Walker. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, this is a guy that really made a splash in his debut. I know I already said that, uh, repeating puns here. But he really did. He looked great in this fight. Um, really athletic. A very tall guy for the division. We didn't know a lot about this guy heading into the matchup. Because, again, Contender Series Brazil was like one of these FBI CIA operations where no one could watch it. We didn't know the results. It was kind of just put under wraps. I have no idea why that was a dumb move in my opinion, but you know, great win over Roundtree, who had never been finished by strikes in his career. Um, you know, this is a, this is a guy that UFC should build on in a division that doesn't really have a lot of prospects um, in, in terms of, you know, up and coming talent. So this is a great win for him. And I hope the UFC continues uh, or takes advantage of the momentum that Walker had on the night there. And uh, yeah, lots to celebrate. You know, I, I'm always a fan of these up-and-coming light heavyweights, even from Laba to Dom Reyes, which if you're an up-and-coming light heavyweight, you're pretty much a top 10 now. That's just that's just where we're at. And Johnny Walker, I think, is one that, that people should look out for. Joe, uh, James mentioned the body size, like this, the frame that he's got. That could That could be a great thing. I mean – you know, we we've seen Kendall Grove kind of have that a similar like frame as compared to the weight divisions that he's been in, but uh, in this light heavyweight division, it's not that deep. No, and you know, I'll be honest with you, I think the guy's a weirdo. <laughs> he's like just basically on that post fight interview, like some of the stuff. I'm like, dude, this is the first time you've ever watched, you, know, you ever been in the UFC? I know, I get that, but like, there, there's a certain protocol. But man, he's got skills. I mean, to do that to Khalil Roundtree is something else man that's something special that that's that's a lot of power that this guy can generate uh those elbows from the clinch were pretty brutal so pretty impressed with this guy just hope he kind of cleans up his his post-fight antics if you know what i'm saying who could we see him against next james uh that's a good question i would think uh you know he sort of defeated a i don't know what you called roundtree is he a veteran at this point i mean he's had a couple fights he's getting you know he's not yeah. he's not young that's sort of a tough one i would say just maybe the same type of opponent at this point like i don't think you give him um, you know, someone like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to even think the light heavyweight division right now is so wide open. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know, maybe like, would you give him like a Shogun at this point? I mean, no. you know, Shogun really at this point hasn't shown a lot. I think, you know, when you have guys like Shogun or, you know, little Nog is another good example of, of guys that, you know, are veterans, but they really haven't made much noise in that division. I think those are the type of matchups the UFC should make going forward because really, I mean, if you're a veteran, you need to sort of do that passing of the guard, I think. So um, I, I think that's probably what's next, a veteran type matchup like that. Yeah, I could also see them putting him against like somebody like Prognio or Stasic, maybe putting him on one of those European cards or something to fill it out. And if he gets a win over there, good. Uh, you, you just never know. Uh, Ricardo Lamas defeated Darren Elkins. This is an impressive win because Darren Elkins is still a legit guy. Even though he's lost two in a row for the first time in his career, Joe, Ricardo Lamas looked very good. And at 36 years old, he needed a win like this. He needed a finish over a legit guy like Darren Elkins after he lost to Josh Emmett and Mirsad Bektik back-to-back. Dare I say, this might be his best win. Gosh, if depending on how you feel, about the Oliveira fight because Oliveira missed weight monumentally. I'm looking at this and I'm like, gosh, this might be his best win in, I don't know, four years since Bermudez, since he finished Bermudez. Yeah. Well, listen, there was, there was a work like performance by him, right? Like it was very systematic, very skilled. Uh, at times showed patience, at times obviously showed explosive power. 
uh, I think was a fantastic job by Ricardo. I mean, you don't, you fight a guy like Darren Elkins, um, Darren is always in the fight, no matter what. You have to believe that he's always in the fight. The guy just looks like a zombie, uh, you know, one minute into the fight, and it just gets worse and uglier and worse and uglier as the fight goes on. So um, kudos to Ricardo for continuing uh, to put the pressure on, but not being silly enough. Because even, I mean, if you look even, I think, a minute before the fight ended, Darren was still throwing bombs, right? Like, it wasn't technical, it wasn't precise, but he was still throwing, you know, strikes to finish. So, you know, good for Lamas. I mean, that's got to be a very, I mean, all fights are tough, but fighting a guy like that that just won't go away, will not go away, has shown the propensity to come back like the, like he does. I mean, kudos to Ricardo for that. It, it's It's one of those things where he needed that win, we know that. Um, at the very least, to remain relevant. I mean, he's at number 11 on the rankings still. Uh, I know they haven't been... Oh, they, they were updated this week, weren't they? Yeah, they were updated yesterday. Yes. So he's still number 11. Uh, remember, this is a guy that that you know, was way up there before. So it's, it's a good victory for him and, and happy for him. But I still got lots of love for Darren Elkins, man. I, you know, I, I shouldn't say I'd love to see him fight more often, but I think enough's enough for this guy, to be honest with you. I mean, he's got lots left in the tank, potentially. But, man, it's just uh, that's a lot of trauma the human brain is taking there. Joe mentioned the number 11 spot for Ricardo Alamas or Ricardo Alamas that's up two spots. Where what do you think about that that placement in this division, James? I think it makes sense in the sense that, uh, you know, Elkins is a guy that, uh, you know, has some notable wins like the Bectic win. And, uh, you know, he had a bit of a winning streak going there for a little bit. So I, I don't mind it as far as where his placement is. I mean, Lamas, uh, this was a, you know, to finish Darren Elkins was, was a very good uh, win in my opinion. And I think, uh, you know, is he that gatekeeper in that division? Potentially. I mean, we'll see. This was a, certainly a step in the right direction and he's, he's got some gas left in the tank and he's getting up there in age. I know he's promoting his gym. I love that by yeah, the way, that after, awesome. after the fight, uh, you know, I felt like I was watching an infomercial, but good for him. You know, you got to get the uh, the spotlight when you need it. Um, but but yeah, no, I, th- I think he's. I think at this point, he's he's probably the gatekeeper in that division. If you beat him, you're probably going on to better things. If you can't beat him, you're probably not in that uh, conversation. Main event time: Neil Magny, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Santiago Ponzinibbio just dominated. I mean, Magny. <clears throat> it's hard for me to ever say, "Oh, he's out of the fight," until that until the referee stops the fight. But man, it's been a long time and the guy is still not checking leg kicks and he got he got set up and then schlumped. He got set up with a beautiful leg kick after rounds of it and then cracked in the face. And then he face planted for a sick KO. You have Ponibio now who was on a roll. We've got him at I think seven straight wins. He's got wins over guys like Neil Magny who have headline shows, isn't a big name, but has headline shows. Mike Perry, Gunnar Nelson, that is a nice resume to be building as you're, you're working to become a main event talent. And this was in Argentina. This was a guy that, that they banked on uh, helping sell out the place. It's his second performance of the night in his last three fights. James, what did you think of his performance? It, it, he looked incredible. Uh, this is a statement win for Ponzinibbio. Uh, you know, Magni is a very uh, tough guy to finish. Usually gets submitted, right? So to see him actually get a finish in this one, a, a TKO, uh, very impressive. Um, you know, Magni has some pretty notable wins in that division as well. So so that was definitely a big win for him. I think the thing with Ponzinibbio is, uh, you know, he's he's got this winning streak. He just hasn't fought sort of the, the top guys in terms of a uh, level of opponents. Uh, the Magni win's nice, but uh, I think, you know, he's calling out Woodley. I think he needs a few more notable wins there. I'm, I'm upset that we didn't get to see that fight with him and Kamaro Usman. Um, 
and, and I think if Usman beats RDA, I don't think, I think Ponzinibbio is probably, you know, still behind Usman at this point in terms of the quality of wins. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it, it's good to be in the Santiago Ponzinibbio business. This guy keeps winning. He keeps getting better. I think this was probably his best performance we've seen to date. And I think uh, if you're the UFC, you've got a lot of options. One fight that I, you know, wouldn't mind seeing as far as a top five fight. What about him and Wonderboy? What's Wonderboy doing right now? Uh, he's I was just you know gonna say that. Yeah, he he was he's uh, you know he's not fighting Robbie Lawler. Askren got that fight, so I think that is a fight that would make some sense because at this point, Wonderboy he's kind of in limbo, losing to the champ twice. So he needs to have fights like this against uh, you know up and coming talent. So your thoughts on on Ponzinibbio's performance? Yeah, well, I'm just oh, the performance was fantastic. You know, it was it was. He did what he had to do. I think, uh, you know, I don't know that he's underrated or underappreciated by the hardcore fans. I mean, the mainstream fans probably don't know who, re- who he really is, but uh, he's got skills, always had that. I mean, he was the guy that silenced that, that whole Mike Perry train. Like, he took, he derailed that Mike Perry train, right? So um, here's a guy that, in my opinion, that, you know, I'm looking at the rankings. I thought to myself, Stephen Thompson could be one guy that he competes against. Damian Maya doesn't have an opponent either. Right. So, you know, there's a way to build a name. And believe you me, guys, I don't know what you, either one of James, you may uh, because you worked over at Sportsnet. But um, oh, Sean, you know, your soccer uh, the, a little bit. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. They're the, the biggest hatred slash rivalry in all of sports. You can talk about Red Sox and Yankees and all you want, blah, blah. It is Argentina and Brazil. Okay, on the yeah. soccer level, it's it's ingrained in the culture. I mean, there there was a few top five things that I've seen recently uh, about life in general, and you know, Brazilians cannot stand losing to Argentinian Argentinian players or teams, and vice versa. So, with a situation like that, you got a Brazilian taking on an Argentinian. Put that in Brazil, or put it in Argentina. Well, not going to happen in Argentina, but you put um, Ponzinibbio versus Damian Maya in Brazil. I think to be an absolutely fantastic situation for the UFC. Or crazy, whatever. I think at this point, Neil Magny is what he is. If he's not checking leg kicks at this point at 31, when you're, oh gosh, 40 or 35 fights almost into your career, it's just not going to happen. But something I noticed, four fights in 2010, three in 2011, five in 2012, including tough, three in 13, five in 14, five in 15, three in 16, and he started to slow down. I think that pretty much since since then, I think we're starting to see the cage miles really rack up on Neil Magny. I mean, my God, and this is in a short amount of time. I know that that eight years, eight and a half years doesn't seem like so long, but he's crammed 35 fights into that period. I mean, he's averaging almost eight fights a year, James. That is a torrid pace to keep up. Yeah. And I mean, as we all know, your body tends to break down, you know, the, the more mileage you get on there, you might be a certain age, but fighter age is completely different. Um, you know, the example we always use is Jordan Mean, a guy who fought super early in his career. And, uh, you know, it, I know now he's, you know, fighting less frequently, so that's helping. But I mean, certainly those miles do add up uh, in terms of, you know, the amount of damage. And just think of all the training camps that have gone into those uh, fights that you mentioned. I mean, it certainly adds up. Maybe mileage. Jane, yeah. J- or Joe... What would be next for Magni? That's a very good question. Um, depending on what the UFC sees him as right now, um, you know, everybody, he's going to need a fight that's going to make him stay relevant or they put him against somebody that's an up and comer. I mean, um, I don't know if Dos Santos has a fight uh, at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, Cabo Oliveira is always an exciting fight. And, uh, that would be a fight that if I was Neil Magny, I'd rather take uh, Oliveira. I'd rather be fighting someone that has a bigger name 
That way, if I can get that win, I remain relevant. Um, you know, Leon Edwards would be a, a pretty good fight as well, right? But uh, at the moment for Neil Magny, it's, it's, it's tough pickings because he's competed for so long that MMA mileage is not good for the body, but he wants to continue fighting uh, and he wants to come back with a, a he's got to get back on the horse, heal up obviously, but he's got to get back on the horse uh, and take on a name for him. It's got to be, you know, in my opinion, someone in the top 15, because uh, if he's offers anything, if he's offered anything less, it's a sign to me from the UFC that it's like, dude, you know what? If you can't beat this guy, you're getting cut. Or not cut, time but for, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's broken record time on the Fightful MMA podcast. As I looked at my first quarter forecast, essentially, 11 UFC cards from January to March. And not just from January to March. There are none in the first two weeks of January. So from January 19th through March 30th, virtually nine or ten weeks, you have about 11 shows. It's, it's, it's a lot. A lot. As I look, I think it's every single weekend from January 19th through March 30th. And that's just what we have scheduled so far. We don't know what's going beyond that. That is up from nine this year, eight in previous years. Joe, we had speculated the ESPN Plus deal may lead to reduced schedules. I want to know your thoughts on this. And if not a reduced schedule, do we see reduced numbers of fights? Because, quite frankly, I don't think so at this point. Maybe, maybe. I don't know that we speculated. We suggested. Yeah. Right? Like it's, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, sorry. It's just too, it's just too many events. A case in point, this UFC Argentina event. I mean, what, a text I received uh, in the early afternoon of Saturday was a simple request. Is it worth my time to watch this UFC show? Right? So people are like, that should not be a question. You know, is it worth my time to watch the Leafs game tonight? Is it worth my time to watch the Patriots play? Like, it should always be worth your time if you're a sports fan uh, or anything in general. So I just think there's too many events. I think there's too many fighters on the roster. I think it's it's definitely uh, a watered-down product, taking nothing away from the fighters that aren't in the top 15. Um, you know, I still remain adamant it should be top 10, not top 15. Um, you should earn your right. I mean, every fight, in my opinion, when you get to the UFC, should have some sort of relevance. Right now, I'm assuming um, Sean and James with this new broadcast deal with ESPN, they've got it. UFC's got to provide content, and you know, for the digital portion of it all, they got to provide content. So, it doesn't look like it's uh, the, these events are going to be being cut back anytime soon. Uh, in terms of fights, I like I like the the, the thought there, Sean, of, of perhaps less fights. That could get interesting. Right now, does that mean so? If we go to less fights, what does that potentially mean? Is is, is UFC Fight Pass no longer an option? To put on events, will it only be UFC Fight Pass followed by a main card only and no prelims? Right, so there's there's a bunch of different things, or sorry, no uh, broadcast prelims. So a, a lot of different variables in there. I, I just think that you know maybe because they're making so much money, because you know there, there's a lot of untapped markets out there that want to hold UFC events. Who knows? But yeah, it's, to me, it's just it's just too many too many events, too many fighters on the roster. James, I want to know what you think about this. Uh, we're covering virtually every one of these shows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we talk about it every week. I, I'm in favor of less shows or less fights or anything like that. I remember a time where you couldn't watch the prelims. Uh, you know, it was just, yeah. the, it, it was just the, you know, the, the free cards on TV on spike. 
um, or, or you, and then it progressed to, Hey, you could watch it on Facebook, but there's so much emphasis on starting the card at a certain time, watching all these fights. It's, it's a big investment. I mean, there aren't a lot of sports. I know there's people that, you know, will watch Sunday night or Sunday uh, football and they'll watch all day or whatever that that's fine. But, um, I just think with MMA, it's difficult because you're not, you know, I don't want to throw any fighters under the bus, but you know, you're not getting the, you know, with the NFL, you're getting, you know, the caliber of, um, you know, athlete that you would see, but in the UFC, there are guys I've mentioned this many times that get in the UFC on a short notice opportunity and they probably don't deserve it. It's just, they're a local guy. They need someone to fill a hole and that's sort of what they go with. So we're seeing more and more of that. I'd like to see more quality than quantity, but like you said, with ESPN, they need content probably not going to happen. And it's also, we're also still going to get that brutal pacing as well with these shows because they have advertisers, they have to pay, it's just, it's not, it's, it's not a great experience for the fans, unfortunately. And, and, you know, it's funny, I, I watching this Argentina card, I actually PVR'd a lot of it and watched a bit of it later. Cause I just have no patience these days for, you know, getting through commercials and, you know, filling in spots and everything like that. So, I mean, the main card I watched, but a lot of it, I sort of PVR'd and caught up later and I'm fine with that. That's my choice. I was able to get through the entire show in about an hour and a half. roughly uh because usually i gotta watch from the start to the end i got a live tweet through all of it i gotta do some articles and stuff well the way that we we constructed on fightful we write into or fight articles about basically top 15 fighters anything momentous that happens fighters that are fighters reacting to big moments there was none of that on this show up until like the main event fight and i was covering nxt so i got to watch it all behind and i was like man this isn't so bad. Fights aren't that great. And then I realized I'm fast forwarding through everything. Yeah. I wonder if the Nevada State Athletic Commission wish they could fast forward through any involvement with Cody McKenzie <laughs> at all, James. Cody McKenzie, yeah. who has been banned for four years, said that an athletic commission member took out his wiener and waved it at him saying, look, it's not that hard to piss. Your reaction. I mean, this is Cody McKenna. This is the same guy who wanted to cut weight. So he went out and drank as much as he could because yeah. he'd be dehydrated. He also, you know, donated some of his blood to get his weight down as well. So, uh, you know, n- nothing surprised me about Cody McKenzie. You could have the most outrageous story, outrageous headline, and it would not surprise me at all. This guy is, he, he is what he is. He's just a very unique character. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it, he's had a very weird path. And and also, I mean, how many weight classes has he, has he fought at? You know, he fought in the UFC at 45. I think he fought Joe Riggs at middleweight. I mean, this guy is just all over the place. So any news pertaining to Cody McKenzie or, you know, someone like felony Charles Bennett, it just doesn't surprise me anymore. That's a fight that's going to happen eventually, right, Joe? It has to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> James shared that. I know it's public knowledge, James. I, yeah. I get it. Um, I was there, so that was the battlegrounds show. Uh, oh yeah, that was, yes, that's yeah, right. That was the show I worked with Chael Sun and uh, and good old Jr. Um, I, I saw Cody drinking his face off the night before. Wayans, um, a lot of wine. Drank a lot. Before of wine. you're gonna fight Brock Larson, who I don't care how old he is. Come on. Yeah. Before you're fighting Brock Larson. Yeah, and um, I was the morning he went to give blood. I saw him leave the air. <laughs> he, he told us everything, right? This is how he does it. It's an easy way to do it. And I'm like, okay, but because the wine and the alcohol will dehydrate you, right? Okay, so um, I can tell you this. He, 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 I, he doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. He does operate in a different frequency, uh, but he's funny, man. He's just in person. He's funny. A little off-kilter at times with his humor, but... Uh, He's a pretty funny guy, but 
this whole Nevada State Athletic Commission, Sean, I was like, oh, my God, Cody. Oh, boy. Okay. Speaking of off-kilter, Nick Diaz allegedly returning next year. Here's the question I always ask. Will it really happen, James? That's a big question. I mean, the fact that Brett Okamoto went out there and put the report out there tells me there must be a bit of fire uh, where there is smoke. And I think that uh, it's a matchup that, that kind of makes sense. I mean, it's not disrupting a title. It's not really disrupting any contenders. I mean, Masvidal is coming off a losing streak here as well. Um, I, I think it could happen. But, uh, you know, the, the, what kind of surprises me a little bit is just that it seemed like Diaz only wanted to come back for a big money fight. Masvidal isn't a big money name. It's a great matchup for the hardcore fans. And I'm certainly going to watch the hell out of it if, it if it does come to fruition. But I think that, uh, you know, they, they must be paying him some pretty good money otherwise. Because I, I just I had sort of the notion that Diaz was only going to come back for a St. Pierre rematch, for a title shot, for all these things, because I think he knows his worth with the fan base. Um, but either way, this is a, a fantastic matchup. There's going to be no chance of, you know, takedowns uh, on a Diaz brother. I mean, this is going to be a stand-up fight, and I think uh, fans are going to get their money's worth. So I think, it, you know, it's a great matchup. Um, does it actually happen? Uh, I mean, again, I never trust a Nick Diaz fight or a Nate Diaz fight happening until they actually step in the octagon, not because they're scared, but because of money and, and everything else that goes with the politics of it. So, um, yeah, hopefully it does come to fruition for that March pay-per-view. Joe, I often put a Nick Diaz in the same category as a Shane Carwin. Whenever I hear he's coming back, I don't believe it unless I see it. We're getting a little bit closer to this, but it is Nick Diaz. And as we saw with Nate, he's still not back yet. What do you think? Uh, it goes back to our original conversations way back when, when we first started the show and the company. Um, it's all about money. It's all, all about how much money you currently have and what you're doing with that money. If it starts running out, they're going to fight. They'll fight because they need to make income. And this is pretty much their main income. And uh, again, their sponsorships. And You have one unheard message. <laughs> Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at other things that are potentially out there, uh, but it only lasts for so long. And if you don't have, I can't see the Diaz brothers uh, agreeing to a money manager or somebody to manage their their cash or investments or any sort of stuff like that. I could be completely out to lunch with that statement. I don't know. But to me, when it comes to Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz, it's all about you know where the money is, how much money is left in that bank account, uh, and what they're about to do with it all, and, and whether or not you know what they need more money, time to fight. In some unfortunate news, former tough cast member Rachel, Rachel Ostevich was attacked in an apparent domestic violence case in Hawaii. 
may have broken an orbital bone, James. This is uh, terrible news. She was set to face Paige Van Zandt on the first ESPN Plus card. Yeah, really unfortunate news. We have some more information this morning uh, regarding that incident, which is that she is now she's now officially off the card against Paige. So uh, just really unfortunate situation. Allegedly, according to what we've read, uh, it was a domestic violence uh, case with her husband, Arnold uh, Bernon, who is a uh, uh, fighter for uh, Victory FC. I think he's fought for them. He's sort of a regional fighter. Just a really bad situation all around. And I just I feel for Rachel. I mean, we've interviewed her here on Fightful, just a total sweetheart. And, uh, you know, uh, you never want to see this stuff in this sport because, you know, people already need an excuse to hate MMA. And, and this just sort of adds to it just because, you know, they are fighters. So people sort of look at this in, in a bad way. But it's just one of those unfortunate things that has happened. And the second case this year, you know, we had Andrea Lee earlier this year. So, um, yeah, I just I wish her all the best and a speedy recovery. Joe, anything on this? Uh, yeah, I wish her, you know, the very best speedy recovery only because, you know, it's, it's broken orbital bone or, or orbital bone damage. Like, come on, man, what is this thing coming to? But, uh, I definitely, you know, I, I don't know the full ins and outs of the stories. And, and, and I've talked about domestic violence on the show before. Um, not from my own experience, just in general, from, you know, what I've seen out there. Um, I, I always want to get the, the full side of the story, uh, only because I know, um, some super tough women that, uh, you know, have started situations um, and didn't end well for them. And in court, you know, they lost. So it's one of those things where I learned that, you know what, let me just find out exactly what happened here. But you just can't put your hands on a woman, man. There's, there's, there's self-defense, you know, like protect yourself, but don't touch her, man. Don't touch her. It's just, it's, oh my God, it's just crazy. I just feel terrible about this whole story and really hope she gets better because that was going to be a fantastic opportunity for her on ESPN, right? Like that's major eyeballs for her. I feel terrible. So it's a, it, it's a, not, I don't know, guys, is it a career derailment or just a postponement? Like it's a stumbling block. It's a barrier. I feel terrible for her. It's you mentioned big opportunities that kind of fall by the wayside. Sean O'Malley's in that category as well. Hold from what likely was the biggest MMA card of all time and what quite possibly could have been his breakout fight because a 0.08 nanograms of Osterine. He got a six month provisional suspension because of this. And I would say the reason they probably do this is so it can get out of your system before you fight. But James, this is ridiculous. Yeah, no, it is. Um, and, and, you know, he, I know they have sort of the new policy where you don't have to mention it, but he pretty much had to because, you know, why is he off this card? You couldn't just, you know, if you lied, it would look even worse if it came out or whatever. He essentially had to pull out of an interview with you. Yes, he did. Yeah, I had an interview scheduled and then he's like, sorry, man, I have to cancel. And I didn't get a reason. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, obviously, I didn't, you know. We've had yeah. pretty good rapport, uh, even back to the LFA days. So, uh, yeah. So, so I mean, that's that, that's unfortunate, and uh, it just sucks because O'Malley had so much hype behind him, um, and you know he still does. He's one of the most popular fighters in the UFC, and to have something like this affect his career is just really unfortunate. Go, we've got, and, and what? Let's just not even talk about some of the things that these fighters may have done in the past. But Anderson Silva, Chris Cyborg, Josh Barnett, Yoel Romero, Junior Dos Santos. Sean O'Malley, off the top of my head, yep. even John Jones to a degree has had some questionable drug failures that USADA has been like, all right, okay, maybe not by intent, maybe, um, maybe it was contaminated, all this stuff. Mother of God, man, this, this seems like it happens every six, seven weeks, does it not? Yeah, it's, it's like there's something, you know, there's obviously something wrong with the system 
uh, of how it, it's it's conducted and how it's all put together. It's just, you know, I, I, I all for it. I'm all for drug testing. I'm all for a very clean sport. I'm all for the fact that, you know, you should be competing clean and, um, you know, but th- there's even arguments out there, you know, you shouldn't be taking anything, like not even protein powder. Like, come on, that's, that's a little yeah, that's crazy. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But um, I, I'm still for drug testing. It's just, there's gotta be some sort of fine tuning uh, of the system to make sure it's it's proper, it's fair, because I mean, just off the top of your head, like you mentioned, all those different names, that's crazy, man. It should not be that way. That should be an anomaly, like one every whatever. And it is, well, technically speaking, if you actually do the math as to how many fighters are tested on a regular basis versus how many of these situations happen, it is a minuscule number. I just want it to be way more smaller than what it actually is. Somebody in the live chat says, skinny fighter busted for substance. This is terrible. Blame USADA maybe. Skinny has nothing to do with it. There are all kinds of performance-enhancing drugs that do a lot of different things to you and and for you. So uh, that's not really a, a point for, for that anyway. But we got UFC Beijing coming up this weekend. James will offer up some thoughts this weekend. I'll be at Starcade. So... I won't be there uh, for for this show or Liddell Ortiz, which we will get into later. But, uh, James, I'll just say this. I don't expect you to give the blow-by-blow of uh, this UFC Beijing card because not only can I not pronounce half of these names, there's a very, very, very great chance that a significant portion of this card will never get UFC fights again. You bring up a great point. I think the only intrigue for me on this fight, aside from the the co-main event and the main event, um, you know, there's a couple newcomers on this card. We've got Lewis Smolko returning to the UFC, which is interesting, fighting at bantamweight. Um, you've got Martin Day, who got signed to the UFC, uh, teammate of Max Holloway. Uh, so I'm interested to see his debut there. He also fought in Contender Series. Uh, you've got Vince Morales on this card at 135. Vince Morales is actually Ricky Simone's cousin. Um, oh, wow. And he's, and, and he's fought a lot on the regional scene and really sort of carved his way. On, on, uh, and he's also a newcomer here as well. Um, Alex Morono looking to bounce back. I'm sort of looking at the American fighters, uh, yeah. you know, on here as far as, you know, some of some interest. Rashad Coulter fighting on this card. Now, he didn't think he was going to get another fight in the UFC. He gets one, and he's actually fighting at 205 pounds on this card. So that's interesting. Jessica Aguilar is on this card. Kind yeah. of forgot that she was, you know, uh, fighting on this card as well. And of course, uh, you know, the one I'm really excited for, Kevin Holland. Uh, you know, after that interesting debut against Thiago Santos, he finally gets a full camp and he's taking on John Phillips and what I think could be fight of the night. So those are sort of the only interesting things, but there's a lot of other fights on here that, you know, fighters that, you know, we've got a fighter in here that's got a three and one record. Didn't Dana say like, if you got want to be on contender series, you need at least like, what is it? Five fights or something like that. So it's kind of interesting, but um, although yeah. his Bellator run has not been that great, you had Gerald Harris begging for a shot. <laughs> That's he couldn't right. Get yeah. on Contender Series. Chris Curtis couldn't get signed off Contender Series. Yeah, like it's it's amazing the way this works. You spoke to Alex Morono, who's facing Keenan Song. Who, boy, you want to talk about an odd trajectory to come into the UFC off of two straight losses and then win your first two fights in the UFC? You almost never see that. That's an interesting one. Uh, Suri Kondo is one. If you're a pro wrestling fan, and I mean a real hardcore pro wrestling fan. That's one that you may know. She has a storied history in professional wrestling and CMLL. And, you know, maybe I just didn't pay that much attention until Pollyanna Botelio knocked her out in 30 seconds. They didn't really have time to. Can't believe they didn't play that up considering the the pro wrestling connection there. And if she wins this fight, I would definitely do that. The crossover has never been more powerful. You have Jessica Aguilar, who finally got her first UFC win. I, I'm happy to see that. Lee Jing, uh, Lee Jing Ong, who 
and like five out of six he's won. So at least there's some quality there. Uh, Joe, before we talk about the main event and co-main event, is there anything on this prelim show that you're looking forward to? Yeah, it's the only name, not the only name, but it's the one I thought James was going to just hit a home run with is, is Lee Jing Lang. I just, I love this guy. <laughs> just the way this yeah. guy fights, um, he's funny too. Like he's just one of those guys. There's, you know, and he's powerful at 170 pounds. He hits like a truck and uses his jaw, like just here, punch me here, and watch what happens when I punch you back. I just think he's a he's a fun fighter to watch. I don't know, guys, what his trajectory is going to be uh, up the rankings, but eventually, if he the only thing is, is I mean, are, haven't all of his fights been overseas? Has he competed in Vegas at all? Let me just check here. Uh, yeah, everything uh, Denver. He competed in Denver. And he competed in Vegas. Okay, uh, Philippines, Canada, Japan, China, Australia, Singapore. Right, like he's a guy that is that what they're doing? They're making the, they're trying to you know suck the name out of the leech here. Like what's what's going on over here? This I, I like this guy. I think he's fun. I think he's he's you know he can make some havoc here, but he's not fighting these guys potentially that uh, are going to get him up the ranks. It's almost like he's uh, he's got that filler sort of position whenever they go overseas or, or stuff like that, or just throw him around the world pretty much. But um, you know he, he did he does he has a victory with Frank Camacho Zakatau. I uh, lost to uh, you know Jake Matthews, but listen, that went to the decision. So I, I'm looking forward to his fight for sure, guys. My I got five on it is in fact Siri Kondo. I think she's a plus three twenty, and you just never know at that level of MMA. A fighter that hardly anybody that watches this show will know about is Sergey Pavlovich, but he is actually favored over Alistair Overeem, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. There is one day we will get a Sergey Pavlovich versus Francis Ngannou fight, and I, I think they might have to build a bigger cage. I don't know if th- these guys are both Adonises, but Pavlovich comes in without a whole lot of fanfare in China. He's a guy that's uh, twelve and I think it's eleven and zero or twelve and zero. Has some good wins, but he's facing an uh, Alistair Overeem who can put anybody out with one shot. Has a very underrated ground game too. James, what are you looking for out of this co-main event fight? I mean, this looks to me like they're trying to build up Pavlich here uh, with the fact that he's fighting over him in the in the co-main event. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen a ton of tape on this guy. I know that he did get a win over Baby Fedor, who fought uh, last week um, for Bellator. So, I mean, that's a pretty good win in my opinion. Um, but, I mean, obviously the UFC, a much different animal in terms of quality of opponents. Um, I, I think this is kind of one of those changing of the guards. I mean, if Overeem can get the win here, he'll be relevant. I mean, he takes out a, you know, a top, top guy who's undefeated at 12 and 0. Um, but Overeem needs to win. I mean, as much as Overeem is dangerous, he's been knocked out a bunch of times. I think he's actually the only heavyweight on the roster right now that has the most knockout losses in the UFC. Uh, so that's a bit concerning. Interesting tidbit, which uh, if you guys have watched my interview with Curtis Blades, uh, Overeem training with Blades, a former opponent, uh, right now. So Overeem is in Denver. I like the fact that he's getting the elevation training. He's getting to train with Curtis Blades and, and Dante Mays and some of the other uh, bodies over there uh, at Team Elevation or Elevation Fight Team. So that could help him here because he was at Jackson's before. I think maybe he was getting a little bit stagnant over there. So we'll see. Has he made the adjustments enough to take out a guy in Pavlich? We'll see. But uh, yeah, I think um, I think there might be some value here on Overeem as, as the underdog in this fight, just with the fact that, you know, he's, he's, he's got more experience clearly than Pavlich. He's only got 12 fights. Joe Overeem, one of the most storied and sometimes frustrating fighters in MMA history. What do you think's going down here? I got five on him. That's for sure. Yeah, fair. Um, I, I just think that, you know, why not? He, he's a plus 100. It's even money. 
right? And, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, Sergey's a bad man. He's 12-0, and 0, but... Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of on the same side as James that, you know, when he, when he defeated baby Fedor, uh, but that was last year, right? Like that was November 19th, 2017 guys. Like that was a, a you know, a, a year ago to, and at, at a day. So this guy hasn't competed in over a year. Um, ripped fit, you know, Drago looking dude that, you know, could give Alistair Overeem fits, but at the same time, uh, this is Alistair Overeem. Right. So I, I'm not there just yet, guys. And you guys can, can help me with this, but I'm not there just yet with Alexander Overeem sort of flip a coin. You never know which one's going to show up. Uh, or, you know, despite what happened with that Nganu uh, knockout, um, you know, Overeem still has what it takes. Uh, and I think if he's patient, um, could emerge victorious here, especially that James mentioned the elevation training. You know, he's just got to be smart and he's a very experienced fighter. We know that. Uh, what's he got? 60 fights now? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. So, uh, I'll put five uh, on Overeem, in my opinion. Um, will I be surprised if, if Pavlovich wins? No, but looking at the odds, guys, I got five on Alistair. Then it's main event time. Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades. I love the idea of running this back. They look at this and they say, what's the worst that could happen? Ngannou, a guy that we pushed real hard, can win, or Curtis Blades can avenge one of his losses and get back on the right track. Personally, I have Curtis Blades taking this one after we have seen the blueprint on how to beat uh, beat Francis Ngannou. Blades is a guy that you talk to a lot, James, and I, and I always rave about this guy. He's so soft-spoken and, like, it's just <laughs> – if he had Derek Lewis's charisma, I think that he would – it would just be, uh, like, a different level. But he's a very soft-spoken, nice guy, but also very outspoken on social media. Doesn't hesitate, hesitate to say – I would beat Brock Lesnar in in short order. I think he's getting it done here, but I want to know what you think. Uh, you get to talk to him an awful lot. Yeah, I like Blades in this matchup as well. And I think the big thing you have to look at is just the fact that when he fought Nagano the first time, he wasn't training in Denver. So he wasn't getting the call. He was basically training back home in Illinois. So he wasn't getting the type of training he is getting in Denver where he has the elevation, where he has the you know really good training partners, good coaching, uh, good strength and conditioning. So he's getting all that now. And we've seen that. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I mean, Nagano could knock out anyone in the heavyweight division. That's true. He knocked out Curtis when they fought the first time. But Blades has really improved, uh, you know, his, his striking defense. I mean, Mark Hunt cracked him and Blades was still able to put persevere in that fight and i think he could do the same thing here against nagano the thing i like about blades is that he's just very athletic very mobile uh really good wrestling i mean we've seen the improvements in his wrestling in that fight and i think that's going to be the difference i mean as as, as powerful as nagano is he's not that mobile of a heavyweight as some of the other guys he's fought and we saw that in the fight against Stipe miosic where you know miosic was able to sort of uh you know maneuver around him a little bit and i think blades is a little bit faster than him um yeah, I, I like Blades here. I think he probably wins the decision. Uh, Nagano, very tough to finish. I think that he'll just play it smart. And, and you know, there's a lot at stake here for Curtis because realistically, he should have got the next title shot. Um, you know, he was at UFC 226 when, uh, you know, Stipe and Cormier fought. And I think the idea was, uh, you know, that he was going to fight Stipe for the belt, assuming Stipe won. That doesn't happen. Brock Lesnar crashes the party. So this is a guy who, you know, I'm sure if there was any other fight, and actually he talked to me about this, I should mention this, that... You know, I think the only fight he'd take outside of an Aganu rematch was was a fight with Stipe. Um, he doesn't want to fight anyone else. He's not interested in Volkov. He's not interested in anyone else. And I don't blame him because realistically, let's forget about the Milstead fight because, you know, it was, a I think, a no contest because of marijuana metabolics. He's basically been undefeated since the Naganu loss. I think he takes it here by decision. Joe, your thoughts? I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Blades' work. I, I am a, a proponent and advocate of wrestling. I really love how he implements it and 
for his body. You don't, he's deceptively big as well. You don't understand how big a blades is, but man, people just can't get out from underneath him. Um, well, yeah, I'm just, look, I'm just trying to run this through my head in terms of which and gone who's going to show up. Right. Has, has it completely just changed, uh, based on the last two fights, right? Like, is that it? We see them peak. We're done. Right. So now it's a matter of, I mean, he completely underestimated Stipe Miocic, which is, you know, borderline asinine. Then comes up against Derek Lewis with, with, I don't know, like, what was that? Right. Like, that was just crazy. So have you learned your lesson? Right. That's the question. Have you learned your lesson and realized, hey, you know what? You better start taking this seriously because you were on top of the world. You were pegged to be the baddest man on the planet. At one point, your life would have changed dramatically, although it has, considering where he's come from. Now you get a rematch versus Curtis Blades, who is one victory away from that title shot. I cannot see him not getting a title shot without defeating uh, Francis Ngannou, unless, guys, it's an extremely boring fight. Can't really see it being a boring fight. I mean, anything can happen, but I can't see this one being a boring fight. I think Blades gets the finish here. I think he gets a finish here. I think he gets a TKO or a submission. Uh, and I don't know what's going to happen with Ngannou after this. But, I mean, who knows, guys? Maybe Ngannou does show up uh, and is that monster that we saw uh, leading up to the Stipe Miocic fight and, and, you know, puts Blades away. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and at minus 225, it seems the public also believes that Curtis Blades uh, – actually, let me just check that line here real quick because I don't know how much it's moved. Um Oh, it's dropped. It was originally plus 115 for Curtis Blades. That sucker dropped to minus uh, 225. So the public is really putting money on him. So Then we have the main event of the evening. And it's not on UFC Beijing. <laughs> it's over on Fight TV. By the way, guys, hit up at Fightful Online on Twitter. We're doing a giveaway for a code right now where you can view that show for free. Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, three. Now, I have to ask this, as I do often with fighters like this. James, does the fight happen? We are just a few days away from it. Does it happen come Saturday night? Yep, it'll happen. And uh, if Tito loses, there will be some sort of injury that prevented him from performing at his best. Oh, yeah. He for sure will be like... Crack skull. Actually, he's kind of used up a lot of them. And I don't mean to poke fun at him, but I mean, that, that is something that we hear a lot, you know, in terms of his post-fight stuff. I love Tito. I, I think a lot of people give him too much grief. I mean, he's he's horrible in interviews, obviously some brain damage there, but, um, you know, I, I would just... <laughs> it's, it's, it's true though. I mean, like he, I mean, he's wow. been a running punchline. If, if people, if people had watched the sport back when Tito first started and they knew what he, what he did back in the day for the sport, there would not be nearly as, as much name calling or, or, or this and that on him. And I find like now people just, that that's the thing. Now I see it every day on my timeline, people picking apart something, you know, not so great that he says in an interview, but let's not forget what he did uh, for the sport. But, uh, but no, I just think the injuries, that's something that's, that's tend to be, uh, you know, highlighted a lot, win or loss with Tito. He yeah he makes excuses when he when he wins yeah it's just why I'm I'm ready for the the post fight promo when he wins it's saying doctor says I need a backyotomy and they got to take my back out of me and I'm back and Chuck got the best out of me I'm ready for it I, I know it's gonna happen I will say as ridiculous as I thought Tito is I got chills when he beat Bader and he did the grave digger I got chills when I saw that and I've never been a Tito guy. I've not looked at one Chuck Liddell open workout video because what's the point? If we're basing this on 
skill at this point. Tito Ortiz should run away with this. He's got some pretty good wins within the realm of like this this universe. I mean, he did pretty good against some high level guys that he shouldn't that I wouldn't have thought that he would even stand a chance against. Like when he fought Liam McGeary, I expected that fight to be way worse than it was. But that fight was three years ago now, and which is wild to think. And it has been almost two years since Tito has fought. But it's been way longer, Joe, since Chuck Liddell fought. How does this one go? Because quite frankly, I think if Tito takes him down, that's a wrap. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much the basics right there. Tito's not going to... Uh, unless the ego gets in the way, but I don't see him wanting to stand and trade with Chuck Liddell uh, for too long. Just have Chuck thinking he's in a striking fight, take him down to the ground, uh, and just control him, control him, and control him, uh, and try and get the finish, try and get the TKO, try and get some sort of uh, you know knockout on the mat as opposed to standing up. Um, it, it's, I mean, the only reason why we're watching uh, is because of just the, it's, it's the shock value train wreck factor, right? What's going to happen between these two? It's not a viable fight for any division whatsoever. Um, it's a spectacle. You know, two legends of the sport, Hall of Famers, they want to go at it, let them go at it. But, I, I mean, the line on Tito's minus 275 plus 235 for Chuck Liddell. I'm not putting any money on Chuck Liddell. I don't that at all no. in any way. I mean, have crazier things happened in MMA, boys? Oh, yeah. Big time, right? Like, what if Chuck Liddell wins this? What's he going to do? Start calling people out? Right, like he says, he wants to fight more. Ah, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it guys, it is what it is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be able to tune in to watch this. Thank you, Fight TV. Um, but I don't know, guys. I, I think I think Tito works his takedown, boys. Gets him against the cage. Doesn't if he's not silly enough. Uh, I will say this about Tito in his in his interviews. Uh, my inclination was years ago, years and years and years ago. Even James after the Big Bear. Um, when, when, um, the team and I went up to big bear for UFC central to do that massive feature on Tito and all the different times he kind of gave us the time of day. Uh, I just started realizing in some of the post fight and pre fight press conference, excuse me, the repetitive of the repetitive nature of his answers. I, I don't think he realizes that dude, everyone's heard that many <laughs> times, mm-hmm. right? Like they've already heard that answer many, many times. It's, I, I get it. You just, you're, you're, cause he's got a bit of a PR background. Right? No, don't kid yourself. He does. He's got a PR background. So it is one of those things where it's like, dude, like everybody heard that already many, many times. And I guess in his mind, it's like, get the same message out there all the time, every yeah. interview, everything. And it's just like, no, it doesn't work that way sometimes. Right. So, um, still got a lot of time in the world for him, though. Right. He's done a lot for my career. So, now I, I do want to say there are a couple fights on this show that I'm legitimately interested in. Tom Lawler, who we haven't seen fights in 2016, he is a pro wrestler now, straight up. He works for MLW, independent companies all around, was fired probably when he shouldn't have been by the UFC, all things considered. Uh, Hasn't won since 2015, but I'm interested to see where he is, and I'm very interested to see him face Darren Wynn, who has an accomplished wrestling background. I think he's a three-time All-American, like very, very good. Uh, Not a bad fight. If, if you're throwing a card together, you can do worse than Glayson T. Ball and Efren Escadero. That sounds like a fight that would he- co-headline a Bellator show on a Friday night that you, that is headlined by Darian Caldwell. But J- James, what do you think of the, the card that they've put together? They could obviously do better than what they did, but we got what we got. 
It's a boxing card. I mean, this is Golden Boy Promotions, uh, you know, boxing at its finest in terms of you got the main event. We'll just put together a regional show uh, after this because this looks to me like a Conquer FC card or something yeah. like that because all these guys are from California. I should mention Albert Morales on this card, the UFC former UFC bantamweight who's lost three in a row. He's taking on James Barnes. You've got Weston Wilson, a guy who fought in Bellator as well on here. Tom Galicchio uh, from the Ultimate Fighters on this card as well too. So there's a couple notable names that I'll, I'll be keeping an eye out for. Dave Terrell, not the same Dave Terrell you're thinking of. I'm not the one who uh, fought for UFC title, the guy uh, who uh, fought in WEC. And it's actually Jerron Wynn. And Jerron Wynn was actually an assistant coach for Daniel Cormier on The Ultimate Fighter. And he's actually pretty talented. Everything I hear is just great things. Huge step up taking on a really, you know, Lawler's got 16 fights. Jerron's got four. Um, can he out-wrestle Lawler? I think that's the big question. I mean, Corey Anderson was able to, but I mean, we'll see if that sort of translates. And one more thing I wanted to mention quickly, uh, Liddell, I don't know if you guys are aware, is actually training at the body shop with AJ McKee. Uh, Chris Honeycutt's over there as well uh, in preparation for his fight uh, for Bellator. So I, you know, I actually interviewed a Chris uh, for another outlet and he was telling me basically that, uh, you know, Chuck's got, you know, the, the best training partners he could have in terms of all that stuff. He says he's, you know, made significant improvements. I know you got to talk about a guy you're training with, but I thought that was encouraging at the least that Chuck's just not training back at the pit by himself with John Hackleman. At least he's getting, you know, tr- training with young bucks like uh, AJ McKee and, you know, Aaron Pico and those guys. So, you know, that should be interesting ahead of this matchup. But I think the big question in the main event really is, does Chuck still have the knockout power? I'm guessing not. It's been a while. I'm sure Joe and I were at his last fight at 115 when he fought Rich Franklin. Uh, it's been a while. And that's, you know, it's not like you take a couple of years off, eight years or whatever, seven years. That's a long time. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, for that. Actually, James, one sec. I, I, I think the power is there. It's the speed and the accuracy. That's true. Yeah. Good right? point. I, mean, I don't think you ever lose power, um, you know, not until you're probably in your 50s, right? So, um, well, it's getting close, Just but close. Yeah, 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 50s and 60s, I should say. But uh, I think the power will always be there for a guy like Chuck Liddell. What's probably not there is the speed and the accuracy, the stamina. Uh, you know, it'd be fantastic if you can prove us all wrong, right? Yeah, Liddell turns 49 next month. I am very excited for that win and Lawler fight. I think that's about as high level as you're going to get on a card like this and win. I think it might give him an idea of where he wants to fight because he's jumped back and forth between like catch weights and light heavyweight and all this stuff. And it's funny that he that he works with Cormier because they are very similar in stature as it relates to those those divisions. So James Lynch will have you on the post show that night. I will be at Starcade, but head over to at Fightful Online, retweet that post. And you will be eligible to win a code for that, to get that show for free, essentially. So make sure you guys check that out. We'll have coverage of Beijing. We'll have coverage of Liddell and Ortiz. But Joe, what do you got going on this week? Same old, same old, man. Soccer, 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 soccer. It's going to be fun, but it's a good good uh, weekend for MMA. I'm going to enjoy uh, these fights, despite the fact that they're not, uh, you know, Super Bowl MMA sort of stuff. But it's going to be fun. Fun scraps for sure. James, what do you got going on this week? We got a lot of stuff going on on Fightful. Like we referenced there, the interview with Curtis Blades. You can check that out. We got a pros picks for Nagano and Blades. We've also got interviews with Alex Morono, Martin Day on this card as well. So check that out. Uh, like Sean mentioned, I'll be doing the post-fight show for Liddell Ortiz as well as UFC Beijing. Um, and we had some big interviews last week. Israel Adesanya, check that out. Uh, Valentina Shushenko, uh, another good interview there ahead of her uh, title fight at UFC 231. So we're bringing you uh, lots of good interviews there, guys. Uh, be on the lookout. And as always, follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. Thanks for uh, being here, guys. Guys, subscribe to the new MMA and Boxing channel. Really trying to push that towards 1,000. Help your boys out. And of course, tweet about uh, this podcast. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. 
Till next time, guys, we are out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.